0: What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode number 60 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. Episode 60, POTUS Donald J. Trump. POTUS, for those of you that don't know, stands for President of the United States. And yes, you heard me correctly. Donald J. Trump. It's not a hoax, unfortunately. It's not... Uh, we, you know, could be a sign of being in a simulation and the gamers are fucking with us right now. Uh, there was a, a funny meme that I saw amongst, like, the many that said, in an alternate universe, they're saying that Donald Day, Donald J. Trump is president. And, you know, implying that we're in that alternate universe. Anyway, <laughs> for those of you that are not into politics, this will not be An episode for you, but for those of you that are interested in my take on the uh, recent elections here in the United States, then stick around. In this episode, I speak about the upset for some, unexpected for most, victory of President-elect Donald John Trump, who handily defeated, defeated Hillary Clinton, the first woman to be nominated to run by any major political party, the Democratic Party. Here's my take on where we are, how we got here, and where to go from here. I will be referencing a lot of different sources, I guess you can call them, in this this episode, um, all of which I will link to in the episode notes. There's like over a dozen different links. Um, if you guys want to check any of them out individually, feel free to do so. Go to sponsor.com forward slash podcasts forward slash 060 And um, on my website and uh, all the notes will be there or just in the episode notes of in, you know, like your iTunes description and stitcher description for the actual episode. And you can find everything there as well. All right. So let's get to it. So how did this happen? Hillary won the popular vote. With over sixty-one million votes versus Donald Trump's sixty million plus votes. However, Trump won the Electoral College vote with two hundred ninety of the two hundred seventy they needed, versus Hillary's two hundred and thirty-two. Now, a lot of people uh, get confused with that, you know. Point, you know, how did she get more votes but she lost? Um, like I said, she got more popular votes, which means just people voting like throughout the country. Um, however, the Electoral College vote—the way it works—I um, did actually an episode, so I'm not going to get too deep into it. I did an episode called "How Elections Work." Check that out uh, in the the sponsored history, and if you want to like dive deeper into it. But and you know, like simply speaking, it's every state has a certain number of Electoral College votes. Which directly ties into how many congressmen uh, they have and, and state senators, which has to do with the population of the actual state. So, for example, Florida has 29 electoral college votes. Pennsylvania has 20 electoral college votes. North Carolina has 15. Virginia has 13. Colorado has 9, etc. So, every state has a different amount of electoral college votes. Of those electoral college votes, the president of the United States needs 270 of those to Win. So the popular vote influences the electoral college vote directly in the sense that if a state, if a state's popular vote votes more for, uh, let's say in Florida, they voted more for Trump, there was 4,605,000 votes for Trump versus Hillary Clinton's 4,485,000 votes for Hillary those 29 electoral college votes go to Trump. Whoever gets to 271st wins the presidency. Now, what happened here is that, which similar to, to in 2000 with uh, uh, Gore and, and Bush, where Gore won the, similarly, uh, Gore won the popular vote but lost the electoral college vote to Bush, is that Hillary won in... Uh, you know, like big urban states like, you know, heavily populated states like New York, which always votes Democrat and, and California and states like that. But Trump scooped up all of these little, you know, he, he picked up big states also. Florida, which was a swing, considered a swing state. And by that, I mean a state that sometimes it votes Democrat, sometimes it votes Republican, etc. Uh, but a state like New York is like always Democrat, for example. So that's it's not considered a swing state. But a lot of the, the majority of these swing states that he would have needed to win, he won. Um, he picked up Florida, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Ohio, Wisconsin, Iowa, all of which are considered swing states that could go either way. And that put him over the top. And he wound up getting 290 electoral votes versus Hillary's 232. Now, there's arguments for and against this type of system. For example, in a direct democracy, which means that Hillary would have been president the direct democracy just means a popular vote uh, meaning uh, the people vote directly without having to go through the, the electoral college um, there's an argument for that uh, type of system, however, the argument for the electoral college is that so that you know like states that aren't as populated get. Uh, balanced out in terms of the voting, you know, because if not, then California and New York will always dictate the, you know, like states like that would always dictate um, the outcome of elections because they're going to be like more populated. Um, not always, but more likely, I guess. Now, the the Electoral College, which is a group of you know ex politicians ex presidents ex you know mayors and governors and um just uh pundits of the party they actually vote like those for example from Florida the 29 electoral college votes it those are 29 people they vote for the president on uh December 19th if I'm not mistaken and you know they're you know, there is a, like, protest and an outcry to, like, get them to f- to flip the vote. Uh, for example, because they could technically, technically, they could vote for whoever they want. They don't have to vote for Donald Trump. They don't um, have to vote for Hillary just because the popular vote went that way. However, um, and w- when they do not vote the way that the populace uh, dictated, uh, that's called a defector, defector elector or something like that. And, um... Uh, However, it's very unlikely. It literally hasn't happened except for like one, like one time in 1892 or some shit like that, like a hundred years ago. Um, And it was like three electoral college votes out of Oregon or something like that. One of them decided to become a defector elector and vote for the popular, the populist party candidate or some shit like that. So, you know, you have 290 that voted um, uh, for Trump or they are going to potentially versus 232. So Hillary needs like 40 of these people to to flip, which you know one flipped a hundred years ago. And so it's it's very unlikely. Get used to having an orange guy for president. Hey, technically, you know he's not a he is a minority. You know we didn't get the first woman president, but we got the first like pumpkin, whatever the fuck he is. Now, here's uh, something that Alexander Hamilton felt. Uh, Alexander Hamilton thought that the electors would make sure that, quote, the office of president will never fall to the lot of any man who is not in an eminent degree endowed with the requisite qualifications, end quote. Which means that the Electoral College would never let someone who's not qualified uh, become president, but... Until we see otherwise that uh, that's what's happening at least to what we consider you know presidential and and qualified uh, up until this point which that which directly ties me into how did we get here? why did so many people come out of the woodworks and vote for Trump? why did we and by we i mean you know the majority of of voters and pundits and and you know just people that speak about the elections and stuff like that not just in in uh, like not from New York not just you know within my bubble um you know my blue bubble of New York but throughout the country there were there were no polls no no predictions that Trump would win on the contrary it was supposed to be a landslide victory by Hillary Clinton and it was all but that so before we'll, I get to what uh, like my feelings my take on where we go from here and stuff like that I'm going to go through why I feel that we why we're here and in short it's a frustration with the system and the status quo Hillary Clinton represents the system the current political system as we know it and the status quo The corruption that we don't like within politics, she is like the poster child for that. For for those of you thinking now, you know, they're all corrupt, you know, what the fuck do you mean? It's yes, exactly. They all are. And she comes from that, that she's cut from that cloth. So the vote is not necessarily a pro-Trump vote. And, And again, this is my fucking opinion and not just my own it's it's um an opinion that i subscribe to it's not like an original thought or anything like that um so it's not necessarily there were some that were you know pro-trump votes but the majority the majority i feel the majority was more of a fuck the system type of vote and you know you know if i'm going down i'm taking you with me type of shit <clears throat> now if that was wise or not is yet to be seen. Uh we're all going to find out together uh, over the next 4 years, but but that's what I feel the the like spark that. And um it very much so highlights the both the Trump presidency and the Bernie candidacy. Very much highlights two polarizing views of Americans too frustrated. We are sick and tired of the system as it is now. We are sick and tired of the status quo. So we want people, we want to elect people that we haven't seen before. That's why Bernie had so much uh, clout behind them and why Trump won. So from the, from the left and from the right, however, Bernie got fucked. Bernie got blocked. I still think, you know, Mm -hmm. Many polls were showing that Bernie would have handily beaten Trump. Um, I wanted Bernie and voted. I did vote for Hillary because to me she was the lesser of two evils. So, um, no, don't don't uh, don't out me just yet as a as a Trump supporter or something like that because I definitely wasn't. But. We gotta call an ace and ace and a spade a spade and and tell it like it is, at least from how I see it. And the Democrats must must be kicking themselves in the ass for for blocking Bernie, which they literally did. There were, amongst the the WikiLeaks that came out, there were emails from Hillary Clinton to let me see that. The uh, infamous DNC leaks Which is the uh, Democratic National Convention leaks There were Emails Stating uh, to uh, From uh, Clinton advisor and lobbyists Wrote to John uh, Podesta Which was Clinton's Chief of staff Not chief of staff, what do they call it? Like Campaign manager or something like that Somebody high up on uh, uh, Clinton's campaign, uh John Podesta emails to him stating we can't believe quote, we can't believe our own primary bullshit. And we have to grind Bernie to to a pulp or some shit like that. Um so there were like consorted efforts to not let Bernie become the the nominee. And this is because you know the parties are a a good old boys club, you know the the take care of our own type of thing it's hillary's turn so hillary has to go regardless of of the popularity of somebody else and she's the one that we want to push forward so regardless of what the people actually say um that's who's gonna go forth which was the case in 2008 but obama was just like like too too ill of a candidate to to be ignored link to to that that was uh, in a salon article uh by the way that covered some of the the WikiLeaks emails and uh all that stuff like I said there's going to be a shitload of things that I mentioned, all of which are going to be linked in the episode notes so check them out I'm not going to going to tell you guys it's linked like fucking 15 times throughout this episode there was a, a really good uh Julian Assange interview by a John Pilger Pilger uh called The Secret World of US Elections where Julian Assange a few days before the election speaks about a lot of the the uh WikiLeaks uh emails that came out. Julian Assange, by the way, is the guy behind WikiLeaks, not to be confused with Edward Snowden, uh, the NSA guy, uh whistleblower. Uh Julian Assange is currently in an Ecuadorian embassy in London, where he's been living in a two in a two room room for the past uh forty years or so. Because if he goes back to Sweden, where he's from, um, he will most likely be extradited to the United States. And if he steps outside, uh, uh, in London and, uh, London will most likely extradite him to the United States as well, where he would stand trial under the, the, uh, I believe Espionage Act. Um, and he, he would be considered a spy because he allows, um, all of these like emails to leak, uh, all of these, uh. Uh, documents and 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 stuff like that that he feels that it's important for the public to know uh he vets uh him and his staff vets and releases through journalists who do their own vetting as well and puts things out there like for example the 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 uh email the dnc emails and stuff like that me personally i'm all for that shit i'm all for all these whistleblowers and which is a a huge criticism of the obama administration because they've been very tough on whistleblowers um, contrary to to uh, what Obama ran on, and which is why uh, Edward Snowden is in Russia somewhere, uh, has asylum in Russia, and Julian Assange just stuck for four years away from his family and kids, uh, his wife and kids, um, in a two-bedroom room, windowless room, um, in an Ecuadorian embassy in London. And it's important to have the the checks on 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 the system you you know who checks them there's you know there's supposed to be checks and balances uh within them however when there's so much like corruption and bullshit going on who checks that and that's supposed to be the role of the people and if we don't have information because you know all the this clandestine type shit that goes on then we can't do that checking you know we can't vote people out we can't we don't know things so we, because we stick our heads in the sand and, and don't want to see how the sausage is made, quote unquote, um, we wind up with uh, the types of situations that we're currently in. So as long as as they're uh, doing things in a responsible way, um, which is the, the, the function, the proper function of, of the, the media or investigative journalism and and you know vetting information and making sure things are accurate, which uh WikiLeaks in their favor in their to their credit has a pristine record everything they've ever released a hundred percent of it is accurate verified information you know there's nothing that comes out that says you know oh, that's all fake shit that they're putting out or anything like that you know it's not like onion pieces um so it's important I think to have that that someone willing to be able to to put themselves out there like that for the good of for the greater good if you will so more of which uh, of why we're here more of the status quo so check out that that video like i said there's a lot of stuff in there that i will be referencing um to further make the point of the status quo and why people are frustrated with it another example is the the whole saudi arabia uh US connection. So under while Clinton was the uh Secretary of State, the biggest arms deal ever uh to Saudi Arabia from the US was made. Uh we sold over 80 billion dollars worth to Saudi Arabia. <clears throat> and this is controversial because Saudi Arabia has said to um be funders of direct funders of uh, terrorist organizations like isis etc now the counter argument to this is that they are our allies i guess quote unquote um so it's kind of like a very tight and i don't pretend to know much about like the middle east much at all about uh, the middle east and 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 these types of of the politics of it but the my to my understanding it's that you know to have this very wealthy very very influential force in the middle east kind of sort of keeps that stability there um and although they like armed groups that eventually became isis they were arming them to uh, you know to to combat you know other uh negative interests in the region uh that were there before and you know it's just like balancing act of you know Kind of, sort of, sell them weapons. They they keep shit in check over there to a degree, um, and the negative repercussions of that is that certain factions, you know, break out from that and become groups like ISIS and Al Qaeda and stuff like that. So, like that arms deal is is something alarming. It's something that happened. It's not like conspiracy theory. Um, you know, like some secret shit. You know, the United States sells, and other countries as well, like Russia and stuff like that. They sell their old weapons to other countries. It's been going on forever and it's a, it's a, it's a huge market, like huge, like Donald Trump, big league, huge. (laughs) It's just not something that's uh, like in our face, you know what I mean? So out of sight, out of mind type of thing. So the like corruption angle of it, when it comes to like Clinton is the, the fact that that deal happened under her watch, technically, you know, under Obama, you know, she's not like the only person though too um but you know under Obama's watch under Kerry's watch under the current administration's watch which she was a part of um and also some of the like the emails and uh, this one I have a kind of like a counterpoint to but one of the one of the emails stated uh, from her to one of her staffers um I believe I'm going to butcher this a little bit but I believe it had to do with the the uh Clinton Foundation where Uh, a saudi someone from saudi arabia donated like a million dollars to the foundation or something like that most of which by the way does go to to like good causes um the clinton foundation does do supposedly a lot of good i don't know i'm not there but the the whole corruption thing to it the whole the whole um like that whole thing that that came out about uh Hillary Clinton being corrupt and the foundation being like fraud and sham and stuff like that is that for example they'll donate a million dollars to the foundation, but the like Hillary Clinton will take two hundred and fifty thousand of that and pocket it. And not pocket it, but it'll be like paid to her separate from the million dollar donation or something like that. Um and it wouldn't be reported through the foundation, so they consider that like fraudulent or like shady plus after that is that the like 80 billion dollar arms deal happens or like goes through so it's kind of like a weird coincidental like yeah here's a million bucks for your foundation oh by the way so i mean 80 billion worth of guns and like that goes through again she's not the only one it's not like you know she has 80 billion dollars worth of guns in her garage and you know sells it to someone in saudi arabia anyway one of the emails states that um saudi arabia is willing to buy etc and she's speaking to to someone else in on uh in the know like one of her staffers and to me she could have been like people are saying you know she's selling us to saudi arabia and it uh i think the email had to do with the guns thing i'm not too sure like the whole guns thing happened like the the arms thing um but i think um conflating like two different stories but it was something to the effect of something with a prince from saudi arabia like her argument was you know that was regarding a certain you know ex-prince or or prince of a certain region in saudi arabia as she was referring to um to the staffer that she was speaking about but everybody saw it as or people interpreted at least julian assange and and how uh, the mass media has interpreted thereafter as you know she said saudi arabia so she's speaking about like the saudi government but that's not necessarily the case and i kind of agree with that like in the context of if i was speaking to to a staffer and i'm not gonna say prince uh, malik akbar from the top left region of the southernmost point of saudi arabia i'm gonna be like saudi arabia wants this, this and that because the staffer is gonna know who we're currently dealing with in saudi arabia you know what i mean so I don't have to be that specific. So I can just say Saudi Arabia. She knows what I'm talking about or he, whoever the staffer is. And I don't have to, you know, in a personal email, you know, it's not like a formal letterhead type of out there for the public type of thing. It's like a like a fucking text or some shit like that. I'm not going to be, you know, get into all those details. I would just say Saudi Arabia wants this, this and that. Um, and I think that's that's an important distinction. And again, that's just my opinion. I'm not there. But again, moving forward, this uh, type of of goings-on is why people are fed up with the status quo. You know, the whole thing of her not releasing her transcripts to the speeches that she's given to Goldman Sachs and other uh, big banks on Wall Street, um, emails came out regarding that as well, stating that um, she has a... A private view uh, of the goings on with the banks, and she has a public view—a very distinct public view and a very distinct private view. And it's like, why are they different? Like, why are you, you know, what are you telling them that you're not telling us, and vice versa? Well, I guess they technically know what she's telling us because it's public. <laughs> but um, you know that she'll be, she's going to be hard on banks and stuff like that. And she's widely known, she's been known, you know, Bernie said it, Obama said it when he ran against her in 2008, you know, she's like in Wall Street's pocket type of thing. That's what she was like known for. She was like a Wall Street politician, which leads me into the whole like lobbyists uh, thing and money in politics, which is like a huge, huge uh, part of all of this. And I'll give you guys an example City when Obama ran and this is not just specific to Hillary Clinton again it's the system as a whole it's the system as we know it it's the current status quo Obama when you, when we ran and there's a link uh, to this to this uh, article by the Wall Street Journal in um in the episode notes City like City Group recommended a list of cabinet members to President-elect Obama the majority of which became obama's cabinet members which is troubling now there's an argument for like who who is he gonna get who is he gonna go to like these are you know like the titans of business these are the people that know the inner workings of what's going on and stuff like that but it's very troubling in the sense that these are also the people that are poised to benefit from their own influence on the the on the system, on government. And City literally recommended like, let's say ten people and eight of them eventually became Obama on Obama's cabinet. One example is Michael Froman, which is the the US currently the US trade representative for international economic affairs. He was the CEO of City Insurance and the head of emerging markets and strategy at Citigroup. So, and there was like a bunch of other people like this that city was like, yo, by the way, you should put these dudes in. And they did, you know, that's the type of shit that's, it's fucking troubling. That's the type of shit that people don't like, because it's kind of like, if we have these elected officials in place, but they're really just being told what to do by like these big corporations and, you know, pretty much the influence of money in politics, then what the fuck, you know what I mean? uh uh, continuing again with the current status quo and why people are frustrated with the system as it is lobbyists literally write legislation for some elected official officials lobbyists by the uh, for those of you that don't know are uh you know people that are it's a profession it's a people that are paid to to introduce certain things to uh congressmen and and senators and the president and or the president's like staff um and they're paid for by you know like citigroup and walmart and you know any any of these big corporations have lobbyists uh or like the nra the nra is considered a lobby the national rifle association and they lobby the government they send people to to them and to, to let them know you know guns aren't that dangerous because of this this and that and etc cetera, etc cetera. it's people that want to get their way that's the the function of the lobbyists is to try to get the the their way in terms of the best interest for the company that they're representing. And what's uh, troubling about stuff uh, about lobbyists is that they are you know fueled by the f- by money in politics. You know they they are a symptom of money in politics. If money was out of politics, the lobbyists wouldn't exist to this degree, in my opinion. Um, but the troubling aspect of it for me is that they literally right legislation like the it's not like they're taking all the information to the representatives and i'm sure some of them are doing this but most of them are not it's not like they they take the information to the elected official like i'm gonna go to the congressman as a lobbyist and give them you know all the information give them a presentation a fucking book report on something and they're gonna mull it over for a a couple weeks and look at contradictory facts and peer-reviewed studies and and stuff like that and then make a decision on voting yay or nay they are, for the most part, actually writing the law as it's submitted or writing the bill as it's submitted. They write them for the politicians. Like, there's something so gross about that. And not, not just gross, just so, so inherently dangerous about that. Like, they're literally word for... Let me give you guys the examples that I'm referring to here. And stop trying to explain it because like the actual example explains it best. So there's uh, like an NPR article that I'm going to read an excerpt from. That again is linked. Uh, which ties into the whole like Citibank thing and, and, and stuff like that that I was just uh, speaking about. It's a little different when the American Cancer Society gives you some technical assistance on a cancer funding bill versus... When one of the largest banks in the world, which was just recently bailed out by the public, writes you a bill that will give it access to public deposit insurance to fund its exotic financial activities. And that's what they're doing. Like they're, they are writing the legislation that gets introduced as a bill, literally writing it. Here's another example from a uh, thinkprogress.org article. And it's of a, a uh, lobbyist group called ALEC, A-L-E-C, which, by the way, I saw a documentary about, which was really interesting. I forget where the fuck I saw it. I don't know if it was on Netflix or on Documentary Heaven or, or um, uh, Amazon or where I saw it exactly. Or Maybe on YouTube. I don't know. But I completely forgot to link to it uh, or save the link like I normally do to share with you guys. But I looked up an article that speaks about this and it's linked in the episode notes. The article is called Oops, Florida Republican Forgets to Remove ALEC Mission Statement from Boilerplate Anti-Tax Bill. So the uh, ALEC is one of these like lobbyist groups and they literally, you know, they wrote the, the legislation, like I said, like I just mentioned to you guys that they do. They gave it to the this uh, Republic, uh, Florida, uh, Republican Florida uh, Republican Congressman who introduced the bill, and f- literally forgot like somebody did his homework for him and he handed it in with their name on it type of thing, like he literally forgot to remove their letterhead and 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 stuff like that from the actual bill that he submitted to Congress. Which in and of itself is like I don't want a fucking idiot like this. That if he's so if he's cheating on a test <laughs> type of thing and if he's that dumb that he has to do that or that lazy like i don't want him representing anything um because he can't even do that right anyway the and there's video there was video of this in the uh documentary that i just mentioned he's like on the floor introducing a bill and one of uh, one of the other congressmen are you know they have like the counterpoint to it and they're like, or were you influenced uh, by ALEC? Because uh, it's a known uh, organization amongst uh, all these politicians. Which, a quick aside, it's a, it's a group that is... It's a private entity, ALEC. They say that they're not lobbyists, but it's a private entity that, that elected officials and heads of corporations are a part of. So th- they're all fucking in bed together, literally, within ALEC. Anyway, um, and... In the video, the guy, the congressman from Florida, he's saying, no, I was not influenced by Alec at all, or whatever, blah, 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 this is from my staff, and, and we did research, blah, 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 like, whatever, bullshit. And he's holding the paper in his hand, and he's like, no, and blah, blah, blah. And then the other congressman is like, well, actually, I asked because it still has Alec's letterhead on it. And the guy just gets, like, just goes pale. <laughs> and he looks at it, and he's like, oh, fuck. Um... So, yeah, there's there's there. If you're letting the people that are that stand to benefit from the law write the law, there's something so ridiculously wrong with that that there's no there's no words for that. Like, that's that's a broken system. That's not a system, that's just corruption straight up, or allows the possibility of corruption to such a degree. That it is corruption. Because I'm sure there's good people within that world, right? Everybody's not, you know, twirling their mustache hairs and and thinking about how to fuck people. But you open the door to that type of shit, which is not good. Now, moving forward and uh, with a couple more points of, you know, corruption and, and the system as it is and the status quo and why we elected Donald Trump for president. Um... And a counterpoint to to that, why does why why can't Congress research and write all of its bills themselves? Because we are under the impression, at least I was for a long time, that you know, congressmen are these noble folk that, and some of them are, I would imagine, haven't found any yet, but <laughs> that you know, do the the bidding of the people. You know, they go, they 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 study civics and and the inner ins and outs of of things that directly affect the populace that they're representing and um you know vote on things all day and 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 whatever like that's like the the quintessential view that we that we are at least naively had of of uh congress men and women and senators etc well yeah congress would include senators because the house of representatives and the senators make up Congress. All right. Um, but you know, so, but that's not the case. So why is that not the case? Like what the fuck are they doing? And and why, why is it that lobbyists and why does that function exist where lobbyists are writing the laws for them? And they in essence become the, the experts that the Congress people men and women rely on um, in order to to uh, submit bills And the reason is that they don't have the the capacity to really pour into a lot of the things that they have to uh, vote on and know about there's there's upwards of eleven thousand just in since January of 2015 to the present upwards of 11,000 different pieces of legislation introduced by Congress. So, when you factor that in with the fact that the for example, the restrictions on how they operate increase in the sense that the US Code of Federal Regulations grew from 71,000 pages in 1975 to 102,000 pages in 1980, to 174,000 pages by 2012, and I don't know where it's at now. Then throw the number of lobbyists in the mix, or organizations with Washington representation, that in 1981, uh, from 1981 to 2006, grew from 6,681 organizations to 13,776 organizations, and just the vast number of uh, vast amounts of information that are out there. Uh, of information that's out there uh for any particular subset of a topic um you know it's not like before like here is the the only three books that have ever been written that have anything you know that are peer-reviewed that have anything to do with climate change it's like you can find hundreds and hundreds of like websites and blogs and thousands of scientists and hundreds and probably thousands of books on it and 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 stuff like that that's that's a very large undertaking for someone to take on in terms of you know a congressman to like him uh, him her him or her and uh their staff to to go through you know it's literally physically impossible you know what i don't want to say impossible because i don't think it is i'm not you know privy uh to that to be in like that situation or like have any like inner workings of it but they're there it's being done now uh in a way that that includes lobbyists and corruption and stuff like that so it's being done just not how i think uh personally it's it should be being done so there has to be you could always make things more efficient i feel and this is not the most efficient beneficial process to um the population as a whole to include to say you know you know the only way we could get it done is if we include all this you know money politics and corruption and shit like that so increased funding for congress would be needed to increase their staffs uh, for example Uh, that's an idea uh, towards that um and uh, a huge point to the whole getting money out of politics thing that hillary was for at least she said she was for um electing someone to the supreme court that would overturn the citizens united decision that allows for unlimited amounts of money to be in, uh, injected into the political system is um the fact that more than half of the time of all Congress people um, and this is uh according to the documentaries that I've seen and uh an article that I'll link to in the episode notes from termlimits.org. Upwards of six to eight hours per day by each of these Congress elected officials that are doing our our quote unquote hour work um in their respective districts and up in Albany. Not in Albany, I'm thinking of fucking New York State, um in Washington. Up to six to eight hours per day, every day, is spent not working on legislation, but getting uh, fundraising, raising money for their upcoming elections, which are either every two years for Congress people. So they literally have to do it constantly, constantly, every day, 365 days a year. Or not 365 because it take like three months off Or some crazy shit like that Which is another thing we should cut out And um, so, You know so if they weren't spending Half their day Imagine imagine your 9 to 5 job You go to work you spend up until 1 o'clock in the afternoon Um, Calling people raising money And then you go to lunch And let's say you keep it to an hour Because you're a congressman you know Who the fuck is your boss Um you then come back and then you quote-unquote work on legislation for for three three to four hours of the day and then go home like that's not efficient that's not effective clearly it's not and that's why at that point they're like fuck i gotta you know hey alec you you guys wrote oh you guys did all the homework already you wrote a bill oh yeah oh really oh those are the main points okay yeah it sounds good to me i'll introduce this shit tomorrow that's why that type of shit happens and money and politics is the root of that. Now, something else that I'm not for. And after this point, I'm going to have to uh, cut this off. I'm recording this on Tuesday, November 15th uh, in the morning. Uh, but I got to go to work. Got to pay the bills. So I'm going to cut it off at this point, And then I'll, I'll continue recording uh, later on this evening. Uh, another point of in terms of like efficiency and uh i guess this is more toward efficiency than corruption Uh, but the current it but still has to do with the current status quo of how shit works is the bundling of unrelated bills i think that needs to stop now there's there's you, you know a lot of times where people are like oh you know she voted for for the war or she voted you know for um against abortions or something like that a lot of the times it's unrelated bills that are bundled up together because you know they have upwards of 11,000 different bills that that are there um that get introduced uh per year and you know there's just not enough time to like vote on everything and they bundle up unrelated bills I think, like, the bundling works if it's related things. And I'm going to give you guys a direct example of of a bill that's related. But when you say, all right, when you go to – a bill gets introduced uh, to Congress and everybody's going to vote on it. um, And it's like, should we go into Iraq or should we not? Oh, and by the way, this this vote, which it's only one vote, also includes, you know, do – fucking babies get asthma pumps or i don't know it's something arbitrary like that, that hasn't that has nothing to do with going like into into iraq um and you know you're you you're voting pretty much for the top of the 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 ticket the bill the law the 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 big thing that's there you know going into iraq or not and then by proxy you're also voting for all the other shit under it you're voting yes for that as well if it's unrelated it shouldn't be there it shouldn't be because it that's fucked up that's like so so broken that again it's something that that i don't have words for like that shouldn't be a thing like why is that a thing why if i separate it if it's unrelated separate it and we vote for it separately and we have to find a more efficient way than oh let's just throw all the shit in that has nothing to do with each other and just to get it out of the pipeline. Like, no, that's not efficient. That's not productive. It's not doing anything positive. That shouldn't be a thing. However, when bills are related, they should be, and it would be more efficient to bundle them up. And I'll give you guys an example. And this is according to uh, Ari Hershowitz, which uh, apparently was a uh, uh, Congress staffer. And this is, again, this is a reason, I'm going to read a couple paragraphs that he wrote here from tabulaw.com, and um, this is a reason for the bundling of related bills that have to do with each other. And he says, quote, it's hard to get bills passed. That's the way our system was set up, quote, checks and balances, unquote, is a genteel way of saying planned gridlock especially in a Congress as polarizing as this one, 113th. So when a bill has enough political momentum to take it through, you can bet that those other bills that have been waiting on the sidelines want to catch the wave. I worked for two years on a bill to stop illegally logged timber from entering the United States. The bill involved... A very small number of changes to a very old law, which is the Lacey Act. At its minimum, it involved adding the word, quote, plants to the law. It was a little controversial. Companies that import illegal timber didn't like it, but had enough congressional support to pass. If it could ever get scheduled for floor time, which is another issue, by the way, But that didn't happen in nearly a year of waiting. When it was added to the farm bill, it went through within weeks. In theory, would I have preferred a healthy debate on illegal logging and all the damage it does so we could have a clean and public victory? Yes. In practice, could we ever get enough congressional give a shit to have that debate? no so we took what we could get and it is now illegal to import illegally logged timber or other plant products so the bundling works for good and evil that's an example of good so it had to do with with uh illegal uh uh, timber and plant products being imported into the, the united states And it got bundled up with the Farm Bill. The Farm Bill had momentum and support. It got bundled up with that. And it passed. But it was waiting for two years because nobody really gave a shit about um, illegally logged timber. Like the Congress as a whole. As a whole. Not that they necessarily didn't give a shit. But there's bigger fish to fry, I guess. Um, But that's an example of where bundling does work. And I'm for. But shit that's unrelated... That's like such a, like a fuck you, we're just trying to like sw- sweep this under the rug for now, we'll get to it later, uh, type of antics that shouldn't be in place, should not be the case ever. Instead of bundling shit up together because you don't have enough time to, to look into things and, and vote on things, how about take money out of politics and you get yourself an extra six to eight hours a day of actually doing the work. You know, maybe we'll wind up getting people that actually want to do the work for the people, not just a cushy, lavish, you know, work, you know, three or four hours a day and then spend the other day, the other hours of the day schmoozing and getting money to get reelected type of shit. Maybe we'll get, you know, people that actually want to be there, there. All right, so that pretty much sums up the current status quo, the current why people voted for Trump, why they were, why people are fed up with the system. It's that type of shit. Now, when I come back... um later tonight it's going to be seamless for you guys obviously i'm going to pause this for now and uh, then pick up uh, where i left off and get into uh the certain points of the expansion of the executive uh power by both president bush president obama um that people were kind of like you know it's all all well and good while obama you know somebody um that has composure in office but what if we get a nut job in office and people are like oh that don't know what happened and uh, we it's probably happening <laughs> now they have more power than they've had in recent history and I'll get into that in a little bit alrighty and we're back it is the next day today Wednesday November 16th as I recorded this part of it and I'm just gonna uh try to rein it in a little bit because this podcast has gone long but I'm still going to get out all the the points here that that uh I wanted to. So moving forward with the expansions of power under the uh Obama and Bush administrations and the implications now with Donald Trump moving forward. So Bush expanded executive power and Obama as well. They get uh, criticism for it more so than any other president prior to them, meaning that Obama had more powers uh, because of of Bush, Uh, and similarly, Trump will have more powers because of Obama and Bush combined. And what I mean by that is, for example, uh, Bush, uh, by enacting the Patriot Act, uh, which allows for uh, the detainee uh detainees of the detaining rather of sorry folks it's early the detaining rather of people indefinitely without uh trial um mass mass uh surveillance the whole nsa thing came out of this mass surveillance under the guise of finding uh, terrorist activity and stuff like that and the ability for for the nsa to be able to like uh tap into your phones your emails internet monitoring, et cetera, et cetera, all that, all that good stuff. Then, um, Obama also, uh, was against that, uh, at least, uh, campaign-wise, but, um, his administration is criticized for, for embracing it. And I have a few articles linked in the episode notes for you guys to check the, that out, and I'm going to read from a couple excerpts. Now, the, the thing is with... With Obama is that he kind of used and expanded his executive power for things that that a lot of people deemed as good things. Not everything, because um, he his administration, him and his administration, are were like the hardest president on whistleblowers, uh, like Edward Snowden and and um, uh, Julian Assange. And when they actually ran on encouraging whistleblowers, they did the exact opposite of that um, which is one of the the biggest criticisms I personally have uh it infringes on freedom of speech, and I know there's like a thin line between that and and um what these guys are are charged with, which is espionage um which is a, I think is a stretch, but you know good ethical journalism. Uh, regardless of what side it's it's outing. Um, shouldn't be checked in that way, in my opinion. But the... Where's I getting at? Okay, oh, so a lot of people say that he did good things. For example, I'm going to read you an excerpt here from a New York Times piece, which states, uh, with the president's blessing, the EPA also became more aggressive. The agency asserted federal authority to protect thousands of waterways and wetlands, proposed to cap carbon emissions at new and existing power plants, raised emission standards for trucks and airplanes, and called for new limits on methane, mercury, and ozone. He has been much more ambitious and aggressive on environmental regulation than any other president we've had, said Jeffrey Homestead, a lawyer pursuing legal challenges to some of Obama's signature environmental rules. So he did things of that nature with his executive power, but in doing so he sets a precedent that, that, that expands uh, executive order power or something like that. It, it gives the president the authority to act unilaterally through, through executive orders. Um, when he can't, and he was doing stuff like this, it's kind of like a catch 22 he was doing stuff like this because he couldn't get things like this passed through uh, Republican Congress, which uh, didn't want to pass shit um, uh, of him, of uh, his proposals, and vice versa. You know, he was redoing all their shit, they wouldn't um, vote on and pass any of his stuff, so he used a lot of executive order uh, because of that, um, but the, the negative of this is that with the more that you do, the more precedent you send and the more precedent you set, you set the more ability for the in, the next incoming president is to to use the same type of tactics and 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 precedents moving forward. And these expansions of executive power are a da- dangerous precedent to to set because. You know, in large part, people were saying, you know, but it's, a, it's you know, Obama, he's a he's a composed post-president. Um, uh, but a lot of people were saying, you know, what are we going to do if we have a, some cycle that becomes president in the future or something like that? And people were like, oh, that'll never happen, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we are where we are. Imagine what a president that didn't believe in global warming, for example, <clears throat> Trump, <clears throat> who sides with that whole global warming is a hoax thing, um, even though ninety nine percent of scientists unanimously agree that, you know, humans are contributing to global warming. Um, imagine what a pres- uh president with that type of precedent to to influence the EPA, which he wants to abolish, by the way. Uh Donald Trump he wants to abolish the EPA. Get rid of them completely. Um, I would understand if it's like revamping them to make sure that they work properly, but he just wants to get rid of them. Uh, the Environmental Protection Agency. Imagine what a precedent like that would do with that type of power. You know, that's the dangers of what was done there. And we're seeing the possible implications of that moving forward. And I forget who it is who he's like vetting for the APA administrator position. Um, which the EPA is, in short, the the agency that issues and oversees environmental regulations, and he wants to like dismantle them and get rid of them. Supposedly, uh, you know, according to some campaign rhetoric, we'll see what that tra- translates into in in reality. Um, but at the very least, the one of the people that he's vetting, I believe, is for that position, um, is also a, a climate denier. So he's so far, not surrounding himself with the best people, especially when you factor in, like, the Giuliani's who's who's um he who he's vetting for attorney general and um um is a proponent of stop and frisk, thinks thinks it's not unconstitutional. Uh, the well, uh, Chris Christie, Mr. Br- uh, Bridgegate himself, who was responsible for the whole uh Bridgegate scandal, which was. There was a mayor in Fort Lee, New Jersey, who was against his, uh, Chris Christie's, like, re-election campaign or something like that, and, um, Chris Christie and his, his administration colluded to create traffic jams on, on a bridge that went into Fort Lee, um, which, uh, wound up, uh, causing, uh, Uh, You know shitload of traffic jams And emergency services weren't able to go through And I think it's around like snowy season Or something like that Um, Someone wound up dying because they couldn't get emergency service Etc and it was all because Of political bullshit like they literally created Traffic um, Because the mayor from the The city that the bridge was going into Didn't want to support Chris Christie for for, for Fucking president piece of shit Um And And uh That you know they wound up getting uh or her staffers at they used to he got out of it obviously um- wind up getting like indicted and and got a bunch of counts uh against them but it's people like that that so far trump you're fucking up uh, I know you you can have a very clear look on your face like <laughs> when he was meeting with obama and 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 with the House speaker and stuff like that, like what the fuck I actually won what did I get myself into um and part of the the hope, at least, uh, of, of people that were like, oh, fuck, we got this demagogue crazy fuck for president, was that maybe he'd surround himself with people, uh, you know, good enough people to, you know, see us through safely the next four years. But so far, at least with the people that he's vetting, it doesn't seem promising. Anyway, here's another excerpt from, uh, I believe it's that same New York Times piece. That uh, speaks to the the how um, the president could or did expand executive power, and um, you know there's implications of that uh, moving forward. Mr. Obama announced an executive order raising the minimum wage to ten dollars and ten cents an hour for federal for several hundred thousand cooks, janitors, and other federal contract workers. What the president was ultimately doing was holding up the United States government as a model employer, said Joseph Givar director of Good Jobs Nation, a union-backed advocacy group that pressed the administration to embrace its regulatory power. And it created a ripple effect. Within months of the president acting, you had private CEOs, Ikea, Gap, Disney, several airlines... Saying they too were going to boost minimum pay. So there's stuff like this. Again, this is another good thing. Um, if you will. You know, different economists might disagree with that or or like free market advocates, like let people pay what they want to pay and the market to sort that shit out. Um that might disagree with that, but uh with this being a good thing, but this is Examples of good things, in my opinion, that the president uses his executive power for and set and you know set pre- precedents for for the future moving forward. But again, imagine someone who believes that there shouldn't be a minimum wage and like reverses shit like that. See, this is like the direct things that Trump can undo with his executive um, uh, power order and precedent. Russell Brand has a. He has a, a YouTube show called Trues. It's like news but T R E W S. Um where he does these like uh, small videos like 5 to 10 minutes long um about a specific topic. His recent one, episode 372, uh was pretty good. Had a had a pretty salient point in in saying that that we've reached like the climax of of uh like this political democracy like we can't i guess like a silver lining he was trying to to say is that we can't any longer pretend that politics is all right that it all works itself out um et cetera, et cetera that it's not corrupt um because look at it because donald fucking trump the host of the celebrity apprentice is the president of the united states um this is like a clear indication that real real change is required. It's needed. Um, Hillary, which was like the model uh, candidate to some, and uh, was a shoo-in to win the the presidency, um, because she was more of the same, wound up giving us Donald Trump. So a good looking into is in is in order for for our political system as we know it. Which then leads me to uh, the recent Common Sense with Dan Carlin podcast, which, again, is also linked to in the episode notes that you guys should check out. Here's a couple interesting points as well, which is using the, these this like unprecedented time to try and change or upgrade the political system. Start contemplating questions like, do we really need an electoral college? You know, if we didn't have the electoral college, Hillary, Hillary would a, would be president, uh, Al Gore would have been president in 2000, et cetera. Now, that, I mean, to us, it sounds like, yeah, 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 we don't need an electoral college. But at the same time, it's like, it does help. There's a purpose for it. Like It helps balance out the states that are less populated in terms of, of having a voice. And we're kind of on the side of, you know, because it's happened twice in terms of the popular vote candidate not getting elected and it happened to democrats so i'm sure all democrats are going to be like for it um but regardless it's something to consider and look into because the the point of the electoral college was to you know give an equal vote to people that would otherwise go unheard um but it was also implemented at a time where technology is not where where it was at you can make an argument for for the the ability for people to, you know, social media and and connect with each other to that kind of sort of bounces out that that equal voice type of type of function that the electoral college is playing. Um, he pointed out another idea of ranked voting. For example, um, like I want Bernie, but if he doesn't <clears throat> get the nomination, I want my vote to go to Jill Stein or something like that. Which I didn't get that too much. It's an interesting idea to mull over, but then. You kind of sort of get into the wait so then your vote counts twice type of thing. Not not sure how... Maybe I, I misinterpreted what he said, but uh, it's an interesting idea, but definitely needs some more like looking into. But the point is, you know, use this. You know, we're in unprecedented times. Let's do some of the heavy lifting that it would take to make real change. Another point that he made is that People that voted for Trump didn't want a Marco Rubio. They didn't want a Ted Cruz. They voted them out in the primaries. So if Trump really brings in, you know, people like Giuliani that he's thinking of bringing in as his attorney general, uh, Newt Gingrich, which was, uh, like the house speaker in 1970 in the 1970s, uh, early 1980s or something like that, uh, Republican speaker, um, he's going to be echoing like all their Republican bullshit. And the, the real supporters of Trump that voted for him, not just as a fuck you to the system, which I think mo- most of them did, but the ones that, um, you know, weeding out the, the psycho racist, the uh, bigots that, <laughs> that voted for him, KKK fucking closet members. But the people that voted for him, like as an anti-establishment popular populist candidate, he's going to be alienating all those people. And those people are going to need the Republicans, I'm sorry, the the Democrats to to speak out for them to check the his you know echoing of that Republican bullshit that they didn't necessarily vote for if he so if he continues to surround himself with these types of of people. So that's another interesting point that uh, Dan Carlin points out. I just I really hope that that for example, Mike Pence is not mike pence the uh the vice president elect is not uh dick cheney he's not like uh like the guy that's really pulling the strings behind the bush administration like i hope he doesn't wind up being like that type of person because he's a dangerous fuck he's he's like a super religious right-wing nut to the point that like he believes that when um women have uh, abortions they should have funerals a uh, buddy of mine told me, and uh, what else? He he believed in uh, electroshock therapy for gays because being gay is a choice, like nutty shit like that. And that's the vice president elect of the United States, and he's in, he's in the know. He, he he like um you know he's like entrenched in the party. He was like the Indiana uh, governor, if I'm not mistaken, from Indiana, and you know he's uh, been with the party for years and um he's a scary guy to have have behind trump what else what else there was a this is how scary it is this is how some people think let me give you guys an example of a proposition that I'll uh, I'll put the ballotopedia uh link in the episode notes for this for this measure that was on the ballot in Oklahoma um by the way ballotopedia is dope for if you ever want to wanna go into, you know, what does uh you know, what what am I voting for type of thing? Like what does this measure mean? You know, if it's not just like a specific candidate, um, ballot PD could be very helpful. There was a measure in Oklahoma that was uh let me read it directly here. It was state question seven ninety it was oklahoma public money for re- religious purposes meaning public taxpayer money you know the whole you know the whole um separation of church and state thing that apparently doesn't want to be applied anymore in oklahoma <laughs> a yes vote was a vote in favor of allowing public money to be spent for religious purposes a no vote was a vote against allowing public money to be spent for religious purposes the measure would remove article two, section five of the Oklahoma constitution, which prohibits the government from using public money or property for the direct or indirect benefit of any religious, of any religion or religious institution. So directly or indirectly, that's like a, like a scary, uh, little like wording there. Cause it's like, you know, the uh catholic constituency there is is i could just picture them down the line stating you know hey government open up your your public money wallet and and um block the you know that mosque from being built because it's uh, indirectly infringing on on our religious freedom on this side it's like there's a separation of church and state for a fucking reason and this this is how close this thing came to passing of the the people were sane and voted no. They voted against it. But 42, almost 43, 42.88% of the people voted for that, for public money to be used for religious purposes, directly or indirectly. That's insane. That's like, to me, that's like setting the stage for some crusades, Christianity versus Islam type shit down the line. You know what I mean? Like opening up that type of thinking, that type of mentality. That's nuts that that even becomes a fucking, uh, an idea, a measure. <sighs> man. And, and, nutty motherfuckers like Mike Pence, I'm sure, are, are all for that type of shit. Which, to his credit, I will give this to Trump, that he, like, in this, uh, election, or this, uh, campaign at least, there, there was no like, mention of, like, church-related church, church related stuff, you know what I mean, like, there's usually, like, a lot of, you know, I speak to God every morning, and blah, 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 like, that type of shit, he kind of got the whole church thing out of it, uh, which was good, out of, like, the narrative, because um, he doesn't give a shit, clearly, right, God doesn't believe in anything, I think, I feel like I know his archetype, which is going to be, a, like, a, a good or bad thing. I feel like his, like, the type of human being he is, is is just, like, like, win at all costs. Win this conversation. Be the winner of this this exchange with this one person in front of me. Be the winner of, like, everything. Like, j- just, like, by all means necessary, just win. You know, topple over the, the person in front of you. Like, that type of mentality. So, which will be a positive... Hopefully, if applied in the sense that when the type of people that he's putting around him um, try to implement the you know crazy wild religious bullshit and and other uh, Republican ideas that I guess I personally don't agree with, that maybe he could like steamroll them. Maybe you know uh, wishful thinking in, in a way, uh, but hopefully it's not too far to the side of you know I'm gonna stay uh, I'm gonna fucking nuke North Korea because I want to and like that type of shit you know what I mean so hopefully like shake he's able to shake things up enough to the point where like the status quo gets 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 and bureaucratic bullshit gets like fragmented and broken but not to the point that he like destroys the world <laughs> and unfortunately that is a thin line between the two there's a <laughs> distinction there Another positive is that he um is more like his foreign policy is like non-existent. Like his whole uh like thing against ISIS it was we'll bomb the shit out of out of all of them. And with little regard to to like casualties and stuff like that, he's more focused on uh domestic issues versus foreign policy. Um building infrastructure, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which uh might not be a bad thing. Might not be a bad thing to get the fuck out of dodge in certain areas as long as you know we don't it doesn't it doesn't just it's not as long as like us pulling out of iraq and iraq being a shit show right now is not a microcosm of what's gonna happen when and if we ever like decide to like really pull out of um you know foreign policy wise or at least take a step back for for four years and focus on domestic issues and that might not be a bad thing. However, people like Mitch McConnell already in the the Republican uh, leadership stated that they they don't agree, that they stated, what was it? Domestic issues um, like infrastructure are not at the top of our priority list. So we'll see um, how much of Trump gets his way with that type of shit, how much he believes that type of shit, or if he's just going to gonna, you know, hand the reins, gonna be a puppet and hand the reins um uh, and all the strings to uh the Republican leadership that's currently in place in the House and Senate. Uh what else? He changed the party as we know it, maybe. Um that's a that's still yet to be seen I think. I think he changed in the sense of campaign wise. Um, you know, he wasn't a religious nut. He's for gay marriage and, and stuff like that as he mentioned. Um but we have to see he's surrounding himself with the usual type status quo fucking Republicans, so the progress in that area of of changing the party as we know it um could completely be undone just with the the choices of of cabinet members that that he puts in place a big and probably the biggest issue that that his presidency. Is going to have. Like the ripple effect of it. Just socially. Is the dangers of. The people that actually bought into his dogma. His xenophobic bullshit. And the fact that. It seems to have empowered. uh, People that do have. uh, Racist and sexist. and, And xenophobic. Leanings um kind of gave people like that like a like a chip on their shoulder similar to honestly how how minorities had when obama got elected how we kind of had a little extra pep in our step now some fucking neo-nazi kkk motherfuckers have that pep and that's a scary thing um um that's a that's a sentiment that he and other uh lead people in leadership positions and just us as a fucking community, man We have to rein in We have to rein that type of bullshit in Because that shit is not cool And not sustainable As a country, as a people You know, if It's just not, not Not cool It's not not a good thing For any of us On either side And I was watching uh The uh, last uh, Bill Maher episode of the season Which was the first episode after the election And uh, Thomas Friedman made an excellent point about uh, this uh, within this vein, which is that we're not going to see the big implications of that until like 10 years from now, because right now there's students around the world in in India, in China, uh, throughout Europe that are seeing that type of demagoguery and going to say, you know what, uh, I'm not going to go study in, in America like I had planned like a Sergey Brin and, um, you know, create the next Google, you know, we're not going to, there's going to be a big brain drain because of that. There's going to, people are not going to want to come here because of that. We're not going to see, we're going to lose those people out, those, those brilliant minds because of dogmatic bullshit like this, which again, we're not going to see the implications of for years down the line. So it's another why that's so horrible and dangerous um, What happened there. And why we have to make that much more of an effort to, to rein that type of bullshit in. And part of reining that type of bullshit in and a reason why I... Uh, a, definitely a component to why we're at where we're at is the inability to communicate with each other about uh, about certain things. And this whole... Uh, like PC police culture, um, that that we let like get out of hand, in my opinion, to the point where everything just gets blocked before it's it, it gets discussed. Everything gets gets ignored before it gets discussed, and it's disgusting. <laughs> By doing that, um, and this like current like college culture bullshit that's going on, we allowed this type these type of thoughts and, and and behaviors and and to just like percolate under the surface like right under our noses to the point that we got blindsided and wound up with um an orange demagogue as our president i'm gonna read to you guys and i I read this in a, a previous uh free writing episode of the podcast months ago or weeks ago i don't know when Uh, But it's on my website, spunstay.com forward slash free writing forward slash don't bury your head. Uh, Because I think it holds true uh, to this point. I'm going to reread this right now. The entire generation that is responsible for hijacking college campus culture does more harm than good for society as a whole. You know the one. The ones that dub any unflattering opinion as a microaggression. The kind that focus on arguing the minutiae of what surnames should be included on some arbitrary form while simultaneously allowing for a possible Trump election. Well, not possible anymore. That shit happened. Don't get me wrong. We should all be sensitive to each other's issues, but oversensitivity breeds contempt as well as inadequacy. We need to be able to have thoughtful conversations about a slew of tough topics in order to work through the issues. Allowing for this inconsiderate hostile takeover of free speech where we walk on eggshells to the point where we can't effectively communicate with one another will lead to much being left undone and inefficient lack of progress. There's an argument to be made for the potential abuse, for lack of a better word, of free speech and the possibility of opening the door to possible bigotry, which is probably why we wound up so extremely left of this PC issue in the first place. But without allowing these open discussions, you're stifling ideas, which is a disastrous thing to do, even for bad, hateful ideas. Anyone harboring such negativity will, whether we, quote, allow them or not, express them. Not allowing for this free speech expression and taking this ostrich's head in the sand approach opens us up to two distinct possibilities. One, they find a more hostile, pent-up frustration way of expressing their ideas, a.k.a. electing Trump. Two, we allow for these unchecked, detrimental ideas to percolate beneath the surface and spread right under our noses, aka electing Trump. We're losing the battle of ideas because we're not having any, meaning we're not having any battles. We can't expect anyone to see the error of their ways and faults with their thinking without us helping them to do so. Like it or not, we're all in this melting pot together. Benjamin Franklin said it best. Those who sacrifice liberty for security deserve neither. Let's not continue to sacrifice the liberty of free speech and ideas for the presumed security of burying our heads in the sand. And I wrote down Tuesday, March 15, 2016 at 747 AM. And I think that holds true. You know, the whole, the reason why all uh, polls and pundits didn't see this coming and had Hillary winning like unanimously is because there was a shitload of, like I said, in point number two, we allow these unchecked detrimental ideas to percolate beneath the surface and spread right under our noses. There was a shitload of people that were going to vote for Trump. They were just not saying it right beneath our noses. Clearly. It's because they, these people didn't have a voice. They didn't feel like they were being heard and their big fuck you manifested itself in the, in the form of an orange demagogue. Congratulations folks. PC police you you fucking way out of that shit. That said, for all the protesters out there, if you want to protest, you know, part of me feels like come on, he's he won fair and square within the the broken weird fucked up system that we have. But he won according to the rules of the game as it is, so just let it go. But at the same time another part of me is like, "No, nah, you know what? You believe otherwise, you 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 have the freedom of speech to do so um you know feel free uh protest as long as it's peacefully you know you're not hurting anybody you're not 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 just making matters worse instead of making them better um then by all means do it but do it do it i don't want to see these protests like windle down in a couple weeks and and then everybody ignores ignores like all the issues that they're protesting for now for the next four years if you're going to protest peacefully do it but do it do it like through the next two years consistently do it and let that protest culminate with the the voting out of of some of the uh republicans in the midterm elections and rebalance congress you know vote for some progressive democrats we need fighters in there now more than ever you know you know what we need matter of fact take a listen to this folks He's a fucking rock star politician, in my opinion, that, w- that we had um, in the Democratic Party. You know, dick pic scandal aside, um, you can't take away <laughs> his uh, political prowess, uh, Mr. Anthony Weiner here. Just like, you know, you can't you can't take away from Michael Jordan the fact that he was the second greatest basketball player ever, because Kobe was the first, um, just because he was a degenerate gambler, right? Compartmentalized shit, folks. We need people like this. We need fighters.
1: yield one minute to the distinguished gentleman from New York, Mr. Weiner. Great courage to wait until all members have already spoken and then stand up and wrap your arms around procedure. We see it in the United States Senate every single day where members say, we want amendments, we want debate, we want amendment, but we're still a no. And then we stand up and say, oh, if only we had a different process, we'd vote yes. You vote yes if you believe yes. You vote in favor of something, if you believe it's the right thing. If you believe it's the wrong thing, you vote no. We are following Hill. a procedure, will I will not yield to the gentleman, of, and the gentleman will observe yell. regular You'll order. The gentleman will observe regular order. The gentleman, order. gentleman no, thinks that if he gets up and yells, he's going to intimidate people into believing he's right. He is wrong. The gentleman is wrong. The gentleman is providing cover for his colleagues rather than doing the right thing. It's Republicans wrapping their arms around Republicans rather than doing the right thing on behalf of the heroes. It is a shame. A shame. If you believe this is a bad idea to provide health care, then vote no. But don't give me the cowardly view that, oh, if it was a different procedure, the gentleman will observe regular order and sit down. I will not. The gentleman will sit. The gentleman is correct in sitting. I will not. This is quite obviously gentleman not in suspend. order. gentleman will suspend. I will not stand here and listen to my colleagues say, oh, if only I had a different procedure that allows us to stall, 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 and then vote no. Instead of standing up and defending your colleagues and voting no on this humane bill, you should urge them to vote yes, something the gentleman has not done.
0: That's what I'm fucking talking about. That wasn't like a like a speech in front of cameras. That was like in the chambers of Congress when they were like arguing a bill. We need fighters like that. Anthony Weiner and Elliot Spitzer, twenty twenty. That's all I'm saying. Putting it out there. Maybe put Elliot Spitzer at the top of the ticket. You know his uh his prostitution scandal has subsided long enough. I think. <laughs> all right. That said, that's uh that's pretty much all I got, folks. That's, in a nutshell, my take on where we're at, why we got here. And um, like I said, a bunch of the stuff that I spoke about is linked in the episode notes, um, including that video, um, which is on YouTube of Anthony Weiner in Congress. And uh, regardless of what, like I said before, Donald Trump is the 45th president of the United States and it is what it is. Hopefully hopefully his his ego and his his persona is able to shake things up enough that it kind of gets helps to get rid of the the bullshit and and some of the bureaucracy and and corruption but uh to the point that hopefully not to the point where he sets off world war three or something like that you know somewhere in between we'll be <laughs> hopefully um we'll be bracing for that type of that type of uh landing or impact within the next four years that said uh the episode is pretty much over if you want to stick around and listen to a few ways that you can help support the podcast feel free to do so and uh, listen to some background music while i plug all the ways that you can help out to help support the podcast but I will be recording that when I come back from work because I got to go pay the bills. All right, folks, speak to you. Oh, real quick, actually. Shout out to two, the the only two people that I know predicted a Trump um, presidency long ago. Not like recently when after he got the nomination, like when like when he announced like primaries type shit. Um, G Monetti of the I Am Rapaport Stereo podcast, G, a.k.a. G Moody, last name rhymes with duty. And also Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, who is a trained hypnotist, who became a trained hypnotist because he is a writer and obviously, you know, a comic strip creator. And he felt that uh, being able to hypnotize uh, people is uh, a good skill to have. Um, and he, he implemented in, in his writing and stuff like that, according to him. Um, he stated that he that Trump was using like grade A um, Neuro linguistic programming, hypnosis type shit, and and um he recognized that early on, and and when he did, he said it's it was some like next level shit. He wasn't necessarily a supporter, but um he did recognize it for what it was, and and called it. He called it a long time ago. So shout out to those two folks. All right, folks, I'm back. Here I is my niece says that she you ask her like where she is she's like here i is it's adorable (laughs) all right um since this episode is longer than expected i'm gonna try to make this uh, housekeeping portion of it as quick and painless as possible so like I said the episode is officially I guess over content wise um, but stick around to listen to a few ways that you can help support the podcast if you choose to I have a weekly newsletter that comes out every Monday at noon called the Midday Monday Boost Letter you can sign up for it for free at my website at SpunToday. forward slash subscribe and you will get the very next one it contains 5 things every week which is a photo of the week a podcast of the week a word of the week a quote of the week and a video of the week if you're interested in any of that kind of stuff check it out again at smarttoday.com forward slash subscribe I have a questionnaire on my website it's a 5 question questionnaire aimed at uh, creatives, writers, artists of any kind Uh, feel free to check them out Uh, check it out it's a uh, open-ended five questions that you can answer however you want and if you do uh, you can choose to remain anonymous if you want to Um, and either way i will read your responses to those questions uh, here on the podcast and share your insight and tips and tricks uh, to your craft with the rest of the listeners of the sponsored podcast. And the idea there is to help spark inspiration in other people, based on how you might uh, do something, and uh, maybe help demystify parts of like your process. Uh, a great tip that I got from that uh from having uh, the questionnaire is is from an amazon best-selling author that said that he had his uh day job i'm not sure if he still did at the point of filling out the questionnaire but he was a you know part-time writer in terms of it not really paying bills uh but what he chose to do was wake up two you know two or three hours earlier every day wake up at five o'clock in the morning and get his uh, writing in in the morning. And he turned that into a habit. That eventually turned into uh, an Amazon best-selling book. Uh, doing it day in and day out. And it was a pretty good tip. And like you guys know, I wake up now. Uh, not that early, but fairly early. Try to do writing on a daily basis as well. And um, even some podcasting sometimes in the morning to get it out of the way. Uh, so check that out at sponsor.com forward slash questionnaire. Uh, what else I have photos on my website I like taking pictures of things so you can uh, check those out and infuse your neocortexes with awesome vision all that stuff it's pictures of shit that I think looks cool basically that that I took um, that I deemed quote unquote photography and it's located at sponsor.com forward slash photography for free Uh, you can check them out Uh, download them and if you want to print any you can use my uh, affiliate created com forward slash spun today and order prints of uh, any of the pictures that you like either in like poster form or frame or canvas etc and those are obviously uh, paid but if you just want, like, d- digital copies to, you know, set as desktop backgrounds or anything like that, feel free to download them for free from my site. You you can also find uh, those pictures, amongst others, on Facebook, on the Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash spun today. Um, and on Instagram, at spun today on Instagram. The holidays are coming around. Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving. By the way, Happy Thanksgiving. This is the Last episode before Thanksgiving, before Turkey Day. I'm very much so looking forward to the day after turkey sandwiches. What? Get some, like, really good bread. Not just, like, like sliced Wonder Bread or regular Italian bread, even though those definitely work. But, like, a nice, like, ciabatta bread or, like, potato bread. Lightly toasted. Some mayonnaise. You take some turkey. Lettuce. Um, slice of american cheese it's fucking heaven can't wait anyway <laughs> the holidays are coming around the corner including black friday um the day after thanksgiving which i recommend for you guys to do your christmas shopping early it's not that much earlier you know you get you order something online you get it you know within a week a couple days to a week um and you know at that point in time you have two weeks to, you know, wrap it up and and stuff like that. Get all the shopping you can done and out of the way early and do so by using my affiliate links on my website at sponsor.com for slash affiliate links. And if you do that, it won't cost you anything extra, but you will be helping the podcast out financially because companies like Amazon and iTunes will help, uh, support, the podcast financially by uh giving me percentage a uh, small percentage of your purchase forgive me folks it's fucking it's late i'm drained from the day fucking have to sleep already um it's like pennies on the dollar basically for many and all of your purchases if you use my affiliate link And um, it's just the banner that's on my website Just click on it, it takes you to Amazon You do your shopping like you normally do It doesn't raise the price of anything that you are purchasing It's just uh, a couple pennies on the dollar From any of um, the money that Amazon makes On the buying that you're going to be doing anyway So why not support the podcast financially In a way that does not cost you a red cent The iTunes banner Banners work the same way, you know, for, for iBooks or or music. I gotta download that um, Trap Call Quest album. I keep hearing it's good. My brother told me it's good. Um, Michael Rapport and G G are obviously on that, and that reminds me of I, I still want to see that documentary that Michael Rapport did, the times in life of a Trap Call Quest, something like that, and which wants some sort of uh, like documentary chip as they call it um anyway check it out sponsor.com forward slash affiliate links do your shopping through there help support another way to uh help support the podcast is check out my book make way for you after all this podcast is try to make it anyway uh, mainly about writing and um you know sometimes we deviate a bit like uh, this episode from today but everything is anchored in writing in my opinion whether it's literal books that we speak about, or shows, or or movies, or, or anything like that, we're all influenced by the those types of things, all of which are created through and via writing. Um, that said, I have a book. It's called Make Way For You, Tips For Getting Out Of Your Own Way, and it's available on any of your favorite ebook outlets like iBooks or Kindle, or smashwords and kobo and etc cetera et cetera et cetera wherever you get your ebooks you'll find it um it's on amazon as well uh you can get uh a paperback uh if you want uh, a nice little dope stocking stuffer it's not a not a long read it's a motivational uh inspirational at least i think so and some of the people that have read and reviewed it think so as well so check it out uh it might be something that you're into if you want to know more about it go to sponsordaycom forward slash books and there you'll see a video of me explaining uh how the book came to be and also a couple of audio excerpts of the book and uh you you know you can listen to see if it's uh the type of thing that you would be into if it's up your alley and if you want a free copy of the book i can send you a pdf copy via email and all you have to do is drop your email address in at the bottom of that page, which again is spuntoday.com forward slash books. And I'll shoot you one over. Consider it an early Christmas gift. Another way to support the podcast financially, uh, if you want to on a per episode or per month basis, is ch- is becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash spuntoday. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash spuntoday. What Patreon is is a site that allows you to to support the podcast financially on a monthly or per episode basis. Um, in the case of this podcast, you guys know I release it every other Thursday, so it's like two to three podcast tops uh, per week, and you can choose through that service to donate a dollar per episode or more if you want to, and it's um, and make it like on a recurring basis. You can cancel at any time. You know, there's no fees or anything like that. Um, and it would be dope. I have to actually, I have to revamp that page. Um, stay tuned for that. I'll let you guys know more about that in the future. But there's like, you know, like the different ways to set it up and, and have like tiered, you know, not just straight so support for the podcast. But I mean, it is support for the podcast, but set it up in a way that, you know, people that do donate get get something out of it you know what i mean like something that's not just uh, this podcast or all the like free writing and free short stories and photography that's on the website but something extra you know something different um and i definitely have to put that together so stay tuned for that i'll give you guys more information about that down the line once that actually happens uh that said what else what else am i forgetting twitter follow me on twitter at Uh, Like the Facebook fan page. I told you guys that already. Check out the YouTube page. All these episodes are available on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Um, uh, Links of which you can find on my website, sponsorate.com. And rate and review the podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play, Um, rate and review it. I would really appreciate that. iHeartRadio, wherever it is that you listen helps exposure it helps expand the listenership of the podcast and who knows maybe one day it'll be even seven or eight of us check it out anyway folks again happy thanksgiving uh to you and yours enjoy it be thankful and be present and that said substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams thanks for listening